Saints, praise the Lord. Amen. Tonight we want to come to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And we'd like to enjoy him first. Hymn number 499. <clears throat> to see the spirit of the Lord's worker. Amen. Let's enjoy this hymn. Uh, it's so transcending. It's so uplifted. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. My hope, my glory, and my crown is crown of fearlessness. Amen. Oh, what, oh, what a life. Oh, what a peace. The Christ who is all within us lives. Amen. Amen. Oh, what a Oh, what a rest. Christ now Amen. is oh, Amen. 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 Oh, Amen. Oh, very dog. nature and life divine in my Amen. whole being in wrought shall be. Amen. 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 Oh, what a ghost. Christ Amen. shall in me be magnified. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. The Christ of all inclusiveness, my hope, my glory, my crown is Christ, the one of fearlessness. Amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. 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 He's our hope, he's our glory, he's our crown. Amen. 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 All that came to an end, and Amen. all Christ is all to me. Amen. 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 I pray. Nothing I treasure, no odd desire. Amen. Oh, what a life. Oh, what a peace. Amen. The Christ who is all within me lives. Amen. 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 Saints, how about that? Okay. Tonight we will come to chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. And then okay, when we get into this chapter, the whole chapter, uh, let's learn how to, after we read, let's flow. Okay? Let's, let's flow before we come to the group. Okay? Not only read, but we flow in our group. So maybe Etienne makes our group a bit larger, about six to eight people in one group. Okay? But uh just learn how to flow. And we're going to read this part. It's talking about how Paul vindicate the, the, his apostleship. Okay. It's difficult. Just to say, hey, I'm an apostle. How, how, do you, how do you vindicate? Okay. Paul used two things, two matters in this chapter to vindicate his apostleship. Number one is how he encouraged saints to love the Lord. This, by this, he encouraged the saints to love the Lord. This is the way he vindicated his apostleship. And in the second part, and how he encouraged, strengthened the saints to live for the church, for the building up of the body of Christ. These two aspects is how he presented himself as an apostle, the one who helped the saints to grow in life, 
And then the one who helped the saints to build up the body. Did you ever understand 2 Corinthians 11 in this way? For sure, many of us never have that kind of view. And tonight, tonight uh, we still have a few minutes. 33 of verses. 33 of verses. After we read, let's learn to flow. Since, you know, in the Bible, the water, just the water, you can explain that as light. You can also explain or typify by life. It can also typify by death. How do you know? How do you know? Now the water here is typify life. And how do you know the water here is typify death? The secret is easy. When that water is flowing, that typifies life. When that water is not flowing, it typifies death. <laughs> Amen. So we learn. I hope this Bible study is not just two people coming, give a message, uh, but we all also learn. Learn to flow. Do not build up a habit of not flowing. That will not cause us to grow. Learn to flow. Amen. Even if you flow a little, it's okay. But learn to flow. All right. 18 going to break us into group. And after we read, learn to flow in your group. Then we, we come together. And yeah, then uh, we can also share our portion. Then we flow again. I hope this is full of mutual flowing. Amen. Praise the Lord, saints. Uh... So uh, tonight, we're going to continue, as Brother John mentioned, uh, the section in 2 Corinthians that is related to Paul's vindication of his apostleship, or you could say of his apostolic authority. Uh, we saw last week that um, chapter 10, in particular, has a change of a tone. If you look at chapter 7, 8, and 9 of 2 Corinthians, it's a very, very sweet section. In chapter 7, it shows us uh, his anxiety, or you could say how, how desirous he was to meet Titus, to hear how the saints in Corinth had received his first fellowship, his first letter. And when he found out that the saints had received it in a very positive way, Oh, he was just gushing out, like Brother John said, you know, the, the, the flowing. He was flowing. He's, Paul's entire being, he was just, his joy was bubbling over to realize. And when he heard the good news that the saints had, had received his fellowship in 1 Corinthians, because he did realize that that first letter was, was quite strong and um, he was concerned how the saints would receive it. But the positive attitude of the saints was a big encouragement to him. Actually, he says it was a comforting. He calls it a comforting. Paul is being experiencing all kinds of imprisonment, shipwrecks. You might think a comforting is a, uh, a week in, in, in a hotel with warm shower. But Paul, to him, a comforting is that the saints had received this fellowship. This was a big comfort to him. 
Actually, it was a great joy. So we see his, his uh, intimate concern for the saints in chapter seven. And then in chapters eight and nine, he brings the saints in Corinth into the fellowship of the body, how the members care for one another. What he spoke to them in 1 Corinthians about when one member suffers, all the others also. So he brings the matter of the need of the saints in uh, Jerusalem, that in order that the saints in uh, the ones in Corinth could also fellowship with the ones in Jerusalem to care for their needs, you know, to, to, to meet their needs. In this case, they were material needs. But then at the end of that, Paul concludes with a high praise. Um, he says, but thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Um, it's, it's quite amazing. To be honest, uh, I think I would have stopped 2 Corinthians right there. Uh, that would have been sufficient. Um, but actually, it seems... Apparently, everything is clear, but actually, there's still a burden in the apostle's heart. After chapter 9, he still has a burden. You could even say this is the reason why he wrote 2 Corinthians, and this was to vindicate his apostleship. Again, this section of the word, on the one hand, it's very difficult to understand without the proper view and the proper uh, opening, without the proper help. But when you get to chapter 10, Paul suddenly switches tone from a very sweet tone, uh, a very warm, uh, to one that is quite strong. In, in verse 1 of chapter 10, he begins with, but. On the one hand, he just thanked God for the indescribable gift. And then in verse 1 of chapter 10, he says, but I myself entreat you. So he begins to entreat the saints concerning the matter of his apostleship. Although he doesn't specify it, <clears throat> in chapter 11, he does mention that there were some who came to the saints in Corinth and began to uh, teach. Uh, they began to influence the saints. And this kind of an influence on the saints uh, we see that it had a, uh, it gave the saints a negative feeling toward the Apostle Paul. So the saints' heart toward the Apostle Paul wasn't proper. So Paul, in chapter 10, he begins to mention words like uh, the warfare, words like warfare. He begins to mention words like overthrow. Uh, in chapter 9, Paul was thanking God. Three verses later, he's, it seems like there's a warfare all of a sudden. But actually, Paul here was touching uh, and exposing the enemy's strategy. The enemy's strategy is to uh, disrupt the relationship between the churches and the ministers of Christ, the apostles. This is the enemy's strategy. And the way the enemy did this was through Judaizers who came to Corinth and began to teach things. These were genuine believers, but they had a Jewish background. So on the one hand, they were genuine believers, but they were mixing the New Testament ministry 
with the Old Testament dispensation. So they were bringing the saints into all kinds of uh, things that were deviating from the New Testament. So Paul was very strong. He realized this was a war. This was the enemy strategy. So Paul said, well, we are, we are, our weapons are not fleshly. They are actually powerful before God. And they are powerful for overthrowing reasonings. This has to do with the fact that the Judaizers began to put teachings which caused the saints to reason. To reason. Is, is the Apostle Paul really correct? Um, I mean, is, is he the only one who's right? What about Daniel? What about Moses? David? All of that we need to neglect and focus on Christ? This kind of a reasoning. And Paul says, actually, they were in, at a, in a war. This war was to overthrow this kind of a reasoning. And the, the way the enemy had the window to bring in such reasonings, which it became a stronghold, was through the Judaizers who went beyond their measure. That's what the second section of chapter 10 was about. It's that Paul was vindicating his apostleship by enjoying the God of measure. This is what Paul said. He realized that actually the Judaizers, they were not, this was not measured out to them. They went, they went over what God had measured out. Actually, the Judaizers were not measured anything. According to verse, uh, according to chapter 11, he calls them false apostles. They were not, they were not given any uh, measure. The measure was given to the apostle Paul. And God's measure was that Paul would preach the gospel even as far as Corinth. So Paul was saying, actually, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't come to Corinth because of my decision. I, when we were in Acts 16, we thought of going north to Bithynia and the spirit would not allow us. We went to Mycenae and went to Troas. And when we got there, he had a dream. And in the dream, he saw a Macedonian man who was saying, come, help us. And after much prayer and consideration, Paul concluded, God had called them to go to Macedonia. Macedonia is the region where uh, Corinth was, uh, Macedonia, Macedonia North and Achaia South. So the point is here, Paul is saying he wasn't extending himself beyond what God had measured to him. He had no intention. When they were in Asia, they thought of, should we, should we go north to Bithynia? Uh, we were in Galatia, should we, should we go to, but the spirit would not allow them. In other words, the Lord had given them a certain measure and that measure was as far as Corinth. But the uh, Judaizers on the other hand, they went beyond their measure. They were not granted, they, they were not given by the Lord to go there. They went of their own accord. Actually, in verse um, six of chapter 10, Paul calls this kind of a, a, a extending themselves, he calls it a disobedience. Paul says, we are ready to punish all disobedience once your obedience is fulfilled. 
So these Judaizers, they went out of their measure, which they were not given any, and began to cause the saints in Corinth to be upset, uh, causing some kind of a stirring up, some kind of a disobedience. So Paul was saying, we are, we are fighting to capture every thought into the obedience of Christ. Dear saints, when you are restored, you are reconciled back to, to the Lord, this will give us, give the Lord the ground to punish all disobedience. So, so this is what Paul is, is, is writing. So he has, uh, the way he defended his, or the way he vindicated his apostleship was to show us the way he battled, the way he fought. It wasn't by means of a fleshly weapons, but actually through powerful weapons before God. He, re he realized that we do not walk according to the flesh. We, don't we do not war according to the flesh, but we are fighting a spiritual warfare. So our weapons are spiritual. Nor do we extend ourselves. God is a God of measure and we're enjoying him. So we stay within our jurisdiction. On the contrary, these Judaizers who came to upset you, they have actually extended themselves. They've gone beyond what they, what they should have. So this is, this is what Paul has mentioned so far. And then in chapter 11, um, I thought chapter 10 was quite strong. But when he gets to chapter 11, he's even stronger. <laughs> Uh, he actually calls these Judaizers in verse 13. He calls them false apostles, deceitful workers. Uh, not only are they deceitful workers, they are ones who transfigure themselves into the apostle, into apostles of Christ. And not only are they transfiguring themselves, he calls them uh, ministers of um, uh, oh, uh, he, he calls them, they are ministers of Satan. He says, just as Satan transfigures himself into an angel of light, it is no surprise that his ministers also do the same. So these Judaizers had undermined Paul's preaching of the gospel to the saints, his ministering uh, to the saints. God's economy was being undermined by their teaching. So Paul was burdened to clear this matter, to vindicate. Uh, to be honest, uh, if I were the apostle, I would have stopped again at chapter 9, and I would have said, the Lord will take care of it. I'll pray for them. But this is not what we see with the apostle. Why did the apostle did not leave the saints without taking care of this matter? I really appreciate the first few verses. I, uh, verse, chapter 11, verse 1. He says, I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you do bear with me. Why is the Apostle Paul fighting? Why does he need to uh, uh, overthrow strongholds? Why does he need to punish disobedience? It is not so that his work is safe. Actually, something had happened in the Apostle Paul. We see this in verse 2. 
The Apostle Paul says, for I am jealous over you. I'd never realized this. Why was the Apostle Paul so, why would he fight for the saints? Is it so that his work is safe or his work is, un, um, is, is nobody else can have their hands on it? No. Actually, the Apostle Paul was jealous. You know, uh, jealousy is an attribute of who God is. Uh, if you look in the Old Testament, many times, even uh, in uh, Exodus 34, uh, very, very clear, it says uh, Jehovah, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. In other words, God himself was jealous. He wouldn't allow the saints in Corinth to have a focus on anything else other than himself, other than the enjoyment of himself. So, but this kind of a jealousy had been reproduced in Paul. So Paul could say in verse two, I am jealous over you with a jealousy of God. Paul had become the same as God in the attribute of, uh, uh, in the aspect of jealousy. Uh, maybe we might've thought, Paul, you like to cause trouble, but Paul is burdened. He was burdened for the saints to not be distracted from the enjoyment of Christ. I am jealous over you with the jealousy of God, for I betroth you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Actually, this is this verse, you could say, is a summary of Paul's burden in these first 15 verses. Paul is burdened that the saints would be engaged. When, the, when, when Paul the Apostle came to Corinth, he betrothed the saints to Christ. And the goal was that he would present them as a virgin, a pure virgin to Christ. However, the Judaizers were bringing in something else. Uh, actually, we see later on, he talks about uh, a different Christ, a different spirit, and even a different gospel. You see, the Judaizers were, were undermining what Paul had brought to the saints. They were undermining God's economy. So Paul is burdened. He wanted the saints to have a care or a, a focus um, on, on Christ. They would be betrothed to Christ. In other words, they cared for nothing. They lived for nothing except for Christ. This is, this is what Paul was burdened for. Uh, but the Judaizers were bringing other things. Actually, this is an experience of most Christians. Um, you know, when we were saved, uh, <coughs> excuse me, when we were saved, it's quite amazing. We were very, very simple. We were very pure. In a sense, we just enjoyed the Lord. We, that's all we cared for. And typically our experience is that in that newness, in that freshness of our enjoyment, the enemy comes in, sometimes in a very simple way. Sometimes maybe someone else would bring us to, well, you are enjoying the Lord, but have you heard about this doctrine? Have you heard about this practice? Have you heard about this tradition? In other words, 
this kind of a uh, this kind of a uh, 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 you could say a presentation changes our focus from Christ, from being a pure virgin to Christ, so that we care for other things, for for other practice for practices rather than for Christ. So Paul was burdened here. Actually, you could say verse two is Paul's reconciling work. The saints in Corinth were distracted to care for the, the Judaistic things, for Judaistic practices, but Paul was burdened to bring them back into the appreciation, the enjoyment of Christ. This is why Paul was burdened to, to clear this matter of his apostleship, that he has been entrusted, he has been given this word to reconcile. God had put a word in him to reconcile the believers to him. So Paul was burdened. The saints wouldn't be distracted to, to other things, but they would focus on Christ and the enjoyment of Christ. In verse 3, uh, he says, But I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your thoughts would be corrupted from the simplicity and purity toward Christ. So Paul is jealous to bring the saints into the enjoyment of Christ, to, to, to bring the saints from any distraction. But then he realizes that actually this is the enemy's strategy. Just as the enemy distracted Eve from the enjoyment of God uh, as represented by the tree of life, the saints in Corinth were in the same danger. Actually, Paul parallels the two. In Genesis 3, we had Eve as the wife. In uh, 2 Corinthians 11, we have the church as a pure virgin. And in, the, in Genesis 3, there was the serpent. In 2 Corinthians 11, there are those who follow the serpent, the Judaizers. So in the same way, the saints in Corinth were in, the, in danger. Um, the, the word Paul uses here, um, it's quite amazing. He says they would be corrupted, corrupted. Um, it's, it's, a very, it's very touching to me that if our thoughts uh, are corrupted, if our view or our our thoughts concerning those who minister Christ to us is corrupted. Our ability to go on in the church is actually hindered. The saints, would, the saints going on would be affected by how their thoughts were. The enemy strategy was just to corrupt, you know, Eve, um, the way... Uh, her thoughts toward God were corrupted. It's not that the enemy came to suggest that let's go uh, steal some things and let's go uh, hurt some people. That's not how the enemy came. He, the enemy came and questioned God's word. And the way he questioned God's word was in a way of distracting Eve from the tree of life to turn her focus to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You know, in the church life, 
um, maybe maybe you might you might be enjoying the Lord and you're sharing your enjoyment with others. Um, they might say, well, yeah, you, you talk about the enjoyment of Christ, but what about um, how many, uh, so many things have you done? You know, uh, you know, uh, some, some people have, have, maybe you have been asked about charities. I'm just using that as an example. There's nothing wrong about charities, but the point is the enemy uses, Paul uses the word craftiness. It's crafty. It's not apparent. It's not clear. It's, it's crafty. Uh, and in verse three, I would, I underline this word somehow. I fear lest somehow. Actually, this shows that the enemy is looking for any opportunity. He's trying to find any way to distract us from, from enjoying the Lord. He's trying to find any window. Maybe some people are, are interested in, in, in learning things about the Bible. He, the enemy will find a way, something that's intriguing. When you're reading the Bible, but while we're reading, we get distracted from enjoying the Lord in the word. We, we begin to have an appreciation for, huh, something else other than the Lord. The point is here, Paul as an apostle, he vindicated his apostleship by appealing, by, by showing us how jealous he is. Dear saints, I don't want you to get distracted from anything, from, from the Lord, by anything from the Lord. My burden is that you would enjoy the Lord. You would be pure, not mixed, caring for Christ. You would be a virgin. No one else. I know nothing else. I only know Christ. This is all I know. This is what Paul's burden was. And I want to present you as such a one, not as a theologian or a scholar of the word. You know, sometimes the, the, the knowledge can distract us. We might think we need to know so much. And, and I, I have to say, we need to study the word. But our studying the word, our getting into the word, the goal and the purpose and the outcome should be that we are betrothed to Christ. Actually, this is a test of the proper New Testament ministry. A proper New Testament ministry brings us into an appreciation for Christ. If we get brought to an appreciation of a practice, of a doctrine, that may be actually a, a distraction. And using Paul's word, this is deceitful work. In verse 13, he calls it these ones who bring us into such an appreciation that's other than Christ. He calls them deceitful workers, false apostles. So, so here Paul was, was burdened that the dear saints, for their going on, if we're, if we're going to have the proper church life, the proper Christian living, which would accomplish God's goal, we need to be those who care for the enjoyment of Christ. Religion cares for practices, uh, traditions, but Paul cared for Christ. This is the New Testament ministry. And this, these are the New Testament apostles and ministers, the ones who 
don't bring us to themselves. Um, I really appreciate this. Paul did not bring the saints into the appreciation of what, how much he knew, how much he had experienced, but he had all the time pointed them to Christ. The goal was Christ. The, the treasure was Christ. Even the, 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 whatever they pursued was Christ. So anyway, I, I really hope, I, I was really touched by this, that, Lord, I would like to be such a person who, whoever I'm with, I bring them into the appreciation of Christ. They get brought into the enjoyment, not to doctrines, not to uh, knowledge, but to the enjoyment. You know, the first religion is in Genesis 3. Religion is a talk about God without the enjoyment of God. Eve and the serpent, they were talking about God, even about God's word. Did God really say? But where was God? Where was the enjoyment? No one was eating the tree of life. So the point here is Paul was a New Testament minister, an apostle, who, who, whom the Lord had, had given authority for our building. And his burden, his jealousy, was that we would have a love and appreciation and care only for Christ. Oh, Lord, uh, I, I think, um, I think uh, that uh, because of time, I think I better stop here. But the burden in this time, in this section, uh, I hope we would touch the apostle. He doesn't argue doctrinally. Rather, he tells the saints, I'm jealous over you with the jealousy of God. I, I brought you to Christ. I want you to know this Christ, to love him only, to care for him only. So he was, he was jealous over the saints with the jealousy of God so that they would enjoy Christ. Uh, anyway, I think uh, because of time, I better stop here and then we'll continue. Um, Brother John will continue. Amen. Well, this part is the last part. These four chapters are the last part of the epistles written by Paul to the church in Corinth. Uh, many times, the main speaking, the major speaking, keep at the end. And then if you take away this part, then Paul will say, my burden is not yet released, including 1 Corinthians, including 2 Corinthians. And all these things end up in these four chapters. And these four chapters is the chapter, are the chapters to talk about his apostleship. And now I understand. Before I thought, why Paul write the letter to the church in Corinth? Ah, oh, because it did a lot of mistakes. They messed up everything. The Lord's table, fornication, all kind of division. And that's why they, he wrote the letter here. And then okay, if you read these four chapters, then you know this is the burden of Paul. Keep it in the last, last part of his two epistles. And 
this is how the essential of the church condition. If the church is doubting, skeptical about the apostle Paul or his apostleship, his ministers, that local church will not have tranquil life, will not have peace. Just like a family, if the children doubting, is this my father? Is this my mother? Is that, are they my parents? That family will not have its tranquility. The church life in Corinth have all this kind of chaotic condition. The main thing is they doubt the apostleship of Paul. Apostle means the one, the messenger, the Lord that sent to them. Okay. And they doubt, are you the one? And it spent four chapters. Paul explained to vindicate his apostleship to the church. And as Hector mentioned, <coughs> in chapter 10, he mentioned about how he carried out his apostleship, that he come to turn down the stronghold of their mind. He come as a kind of warfare, okay, warfare. He come to battle. Okay. You, Corinth, you are in your mind. Okay. And how Paul, and the Lord sent him to, to the church in Corinth, and he go there like fighting like in the battlefield, one by one, to turn down the stronghold that blocked them. Then the second qualification that Paul vindicates is he was sent by God. He even did not plan, uh, Hector mentioned this, he did never think about this, but God blocked this way, turn right, no, turn left, no, keep going on until there's a calling from Macedonia. Then the Lord, by his ruling, he measured the church in Corinth. Okay. Number one is spirit of fighting. Number two is the arrangement by God. And number three is what we saw in chapter 11. Chapter 10 already very heavy. He's saying, this Judaizer, I don't know where they come from. The Lord never measured this to them. <clears throat> yeah. And then chapter 12, uh, sorry, chapter 11, then he mentioned the third thing I'd like to tell you is my apostleship because I have the jealousy of Christ. Our God is a God of jealousy. Being apostleship, I will bring you to love God, to enjoy Christ. Okay. You know, this is what is in God, what is in God's heart. You know, you're not just going to come to the church and worship. No, you come to the church to love God. And the Ten Commandments, the first three commandments. Number one is do not have other God. Number two is do not make another God. And number three, do not worship another God. <clears throat> what is worship? 
Worship means love. We worship God because we love God. These are the three commandments. And Paul carried out his, his apostleship. Look in verse 3. <clears throat> of course, you know, in verse 1, he's saying, Please bear in mind, I'm going to speak something that is very strong, very frank. I'm not playing politics here. I'm going to tell you something. Please forgive my foolishness. You may say, Paul, you become very rough. You become very rude. You become a bit beside yourself. Paul said, yes, forgive me. I'm going to tell you frank word. I'm not going to play politics here. Okay. And verse two, I am jealous over you. With the jealousy of God. God sent me here as an apostle. Apostle means apostolos. Apo is the one who means out. Apostolos, the sending out one. God sent me with the jealousy of God toward you. Because I, Apostle Paul, my job is to propose you to Christ. Betrothed you to one husband. <clears throat> as a pure virgin to Christ. And Paul saying, but I fear somehow as the serpent, like serpent in Genesis 3, that snake, that serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. You, the church in Corinth, you don't know you already been deceived by that serpent. The serpent in Genesis 3 already come into the church life here. Okay. Don't think that serpent still stay in Genesis 3. He came here to your church life. I get so angry with the jealousy of Christ, jealousy of God. And he come to the church life and he come to your thought and corrupted you from the simplicity and purity toward Christ. Underline those two words, simplicity and purity. Okay. That is taking away our position being the virgin to Christ. You know, that serpent came, okay. all kind of knowledge, all kind of doubting, all kind of skeptical, all kind of questionings about Paul. In the beginning of the church life, they are very happy. But now this Judaizer, Paul said they are like the serpent. They come in, loose, take away your simplicity, take away your purity. When we get to the church life, we are quite happy. Was, wow, this is a wonderful church life. From now on, I'll be stay here forever and never leave the church life. Then some Judaizer come in. Okay? If they were there in the church of Corinth, they also today they still exist. Satan, he come with this craftiness, come in to cause us a kind of doubting the apostleship. When the church has doubt the apostleship, the church life become no tranquility. <clears throat> it loses the peace. It just keep questioning. Is that really is that true? Why this thing? Why that? <clears throat> That is because the serpent coming. Paul saying, before you were so pure, you just love the Lord. But now I want to lead you back to love the Lord again. 
The apostleship is to bring them to enjoy God, to enjoy Christ. Okay, then the reason. Hector already mentioned, Paul used some of the term which very explicitly, they are the super apostles. <laughs> that means, okay, Paul, you are not good enough. Okay? Uh, Paul said, oh, yeah, they are they're super. They are not only apostles, but they are super apostles. That is in verse 5. Okay? But I count myself to be inferior. Paul said, I'm not that as good as this one. They are super apostles, but in nothing. <laughs> and then in verse 13, they are the false prophet. And then they are the deceitful workers. And then they cloak themselves to be the apostle of Christ. But they are, but they are the but they are deceitful people. They are craftiness. They are the false prophet and deceitful workers transfigure themselves into apostles of Christ. We are the apostles of Christ. <coughs> 14. Paul saying, but don't be strange. Don't, don't, don't be uh, uh, no wonder. Again, don't, don't, don't feel this is amazing. Even Satan himself, he can also change himself, become the angel of light. Therefore, it is not great. It's no great thing. It's not a big deal. For even Satan messengers also transfigure themselves into the minister of righteousness. That minister is not the minister of the new covenant. They are the minister of Satan, the messenger of Satan. If also, verse 15, therefore, it is no great things. If also Satan minister transfigure themselves into ministers of righteousness. But this one <clears throat> will be according, their end will be according to the words. God will came to deal with them. All right, verse 16, encircle the word again. And that is the second part that Paul will say again, again. On one hand, I tell you, I'm angry with the angry of God. I'm jealous with the jealousy of God because you don't love Christ. You become, you, you lose your purity, you lose your simplicity, your love is not that pure. Now I want to lead you back to love Christ. I already betrothed you to Christ. Now love Christ. Enjoy Christ. The way for us to love Christ is by enjoying Him. The more we enjoy Him, the more we love Him. Some people come to buy books from me in a book room. I say, this is a good book. Then they say, how do you say a good book? I say, you read this book. The more you read, the more you love Christ, then that is a good book. Saints is not give you a lot of knowledge. You read, 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 you just, Lord, I just love you. Okay. This is the, okay. this is Paul saying, I betrothed you to love Christ. You enjoy Christ, you will love Christ. Okay, second part, verse 16, again. 
I say, let no one think I am stupid, I'm foolish. But if they really think I'm foolish, okay, okay. Then they must accept as I were foolish, that I may boast a little. Let me boast how foolish I am. Okay. Let me tell you. 17. What I speak, not according to the Lord, but according, but as if in foolishness, in this confidence of boasting. I want to boast. <laughs> not in the Lord, but according to my confidence of boasting. Since this Judaizer, they boast according to the flesh. Okay, let me boast. Um, 19. You know what he's saying? The church in Corinth, you gladly bear the foolish one because you yourself are wise. Look at that. Paul insulting you. You thought you are wise. Why? Because you are bearing, you are accommodating the foolish. So, oh, oh, this is this is quite a smart expression. And you thought you are wise. Actually, you are you are so foolish. <laughs> That's why you you say you are so foolish, and you receive you accommodate these foolish people. Why? Verse twenty. Because you bear. If anyone enslave you. They already come in, bring you to keep a lot of law. They enslave you with the law. If anyone who they devour you, you receive them. Anyone who they take you, if they want to live up himself, if anyone want to beat in your face, you receive all these kind of people. And you thought you are smart. You are wise, but you are foolish. 21, by way of self-disparagement. That is a kind of um, depreciate. I depreciate myself because you might see I'm not that culture, I'm not that smart. By the way of depreciate myself, dishonor myself, I'm not respecting, exalting myself, elevating myself. Supposedly, we ourselves, we were weak. But in whatever anyone else is brave, is daring, I speak in foolishness. I am also brave. I want to daring, brave, to bold, to boast. And these people, what are they boasting? They say they are Hebrew. Paul said, I am also Hebrew. They say, we are Israel. Paul said, I also Israel. They say they are seed of Abraham. What else? I am also. They say they are minister of Christ. I speak being beside myself. I just speak crazy myself. I am more. <laughs> I am more minister Christ to you. Then Paul started listing. More hot, more minister of Christ. And then more hot, more labor abundantly, more imprisonment, more abundantly strife. In prison, I have more. And then in being striped, you know, hit by the, being hit. Okay. He just many times and nearly dead. Paul lists down 30 items of how he's suffering. And out of these 30 items, mm -hmm. 
the Judaizer are only two items the same with Paul. One is they also labor, laboring in opposing Paul, and some of them also got imprisoned. Okay. But then the rest, they do not have all this experience. This chapter, <coughs> this chapter, Paul is boasting how I suffer to fill up the affliction of Christ in building up the body of Christ. <clears throat> Did you see in verse 24, under the hand of the Jews, I've been striped five times. <clears throat> I received 40 stripes each one, each times, 40 minus one. Okay. That means don't punish them to the end. <laughs> A kind of discount. Okay. 40 minus one. Okay. That is the rule, the law. Okay. When you want to punish people, then punish them thoroughly. Okay. Minus one, at least one person discount. <laughs> Three times he beaten by a rod. Once he was stoned. Three times shipwreck. Night and day, have spent in a dip, in a journey, many times. In the journey, what he suffered? He suffered the danger of the river, the danger of robbery, the danger of the race, the danger of the Gentiles, the danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger in the sea, danger among the false brothers. Wherever he goes, he's in danger. He's just facing a lot of risk. And then how about in labor and in hardship, in watching often, even hunger and thirst, in fasting often. That fasting is not fast and pray, but that fasting has nothing to eat. <clears throat> and in cold and in nakedness. And then 28, apart from all this suffering, <clears throat> which I have not been mentioned, there is this and the caring for the crowd that kind of inward suffer this is apostleship is inward suffering the crowd of caring pressing upon me daily every day how i care for the crowd care for this one care for that one this kind of caring is pressed upon the apostle paul <clears throat> This is a, like a parent telling you how I care for you. <clears throat> and anxious concerning all the churches, individually, <clears throat> the saints, the crowd, and also outside, calling concern many churches. Is anxious about the problem in the church, the problem in the church. <clears throat> and Paul said, who is weak? I'm not weak. I was so weak. No, my weak is you know, I care for this one. <clears throat> this this um <clears throat> the the caring of the saints press upon me. Don't think I'm super. I'm also weak. I cannot bear it. No, don't think when I go there, I solve the problem. At least one of the problems in the church in Corinth is pressed upon me. I'm so weak. <clears throat> And then in verse 29, who is weak? And I'm not weak. I'm also weak. 
and who stumbled and myself did not burn. When someone got stumbled, I become indignant. I become so angry. I want to find out what's the causes of this brother got stumbled. <clears throat> saints, you know, when you stumble, when you're disappointed, there are some saints are burning within them. Oh, Lord, why this brother, why this sister is no longer coming to see us here? <clears throat> you must know many people, because of your weakness, they pray for you. Okay. This is how the real apostleship. <clears throat> someone did not come to the meeting. Someone did not willing to be open in fellowship. <clears throat> you must know many people are burning within them. <clears throat> and likewise, we also learn this lesson. And when the saints did not show up, did not continue the fellowship, we are also burning within our heart. <clears throat> Paul saying, I pass through all this outward suffering, and besides, there's also inward suffering. The care for the crowd, the anxious concerning all the churches. Then say, I'm also weak. <clears throat> if someone stumbled, and verse 30, if I must boast, I will boast of the things of my weakness. This is what I want to boast. Did you see? I boast my weakness. <clears throat> oh, Lord. Did you ever see people, the worker of the Lord, they boast their weakness? They normally they don't boast their weakness. They say, oh, I perform miracle. I heal people. I make good things. The Lord bless me. I get a big house. I get a big car. I, oh, you know, I, I fly with chopper. The Lord bless me. This is my apostleship. Is I got a lot of blessing. But Paul said, no. This is my boasting. What I boast is I'm so weak. What I boast now, I boast that I suffer. Just like Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. <clears throat> In the redemption of Christ, we cannot participate his suffering. But in the building up of the body of Christ, Paul said, we suffer to fill up the affliction of Christ in building up the body of Christ. This is the real apostle. <clears throat> he boasting of how he suffered himself to fill up the affliction of Christ in the building up of his body. Look, if you read another three verses, then you'll understand. <clears throat> he said, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. Then, he said, I'm going to tell you, in verse 32, in Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, when I get to Damascus, they know, I was a murderer. They closed the whole city in the Damascus in order to arrest me. And then what? Verse 33. And in a basket, I was lowered through a window, through the wall, from the edge of the city. The disciple put Paul in the basket and in a rope and then just like lived. 
putting him down from the wall. And then Paul ran away, escaped from his hand. I said, Paul, you say you're ambassador of Christ. Why you escape like a criminal? This is Paul, what he's saying. Saying, mm, did you see? He is the one who suffered. He did not say, oh, God, the victory of Jesus, you know, the Lord bless me. I never suffer. Well, this is how Paul boasts that he is the apostle in taking care of the church by filling up the affliction of Christ in building up the body. Did you remember this four? Number one, how he fight for their mind, for a stronghold in their mind. And number two, how he was designated by God to go to through, Corinth through Macedonia. And number three, he has this heart that the saints should love the Lord, be throating to Christ. And number four, being apostleship, that he suffered on, the, on behalf of the saints. He lived a life of suffering to follow Christ in order to fill up the affliction of Christ in the building up of the body of Christ. <clears throat> he did not boast, I get a powerful, do this thing, all these, all these miracles. But he did not boasting how the Lord blessed me, then I can eliminate all the problems. But he went through all of this thing. Um, you know, when he boasting this thing, the opposers, this religious opposer, might think, if Paul is truly of God, God would bless him. Then he would not have any suffer. That is religious concept. Sometimes when we saw someone suffer, we say, maybe he's not an apostle. If, the Lord, if he's an apostle of God, then he will never pass through suffering. It's exactly opposite. Since I love this chapter 11, Paul is boasting his weakness. This is how the Lord bless, praise the church in Philadelphia. You did not deny my name. You did not, you keep my word, did not deny my name, and you have little power. Look, this little power. We are not having a big power, perform a lot of miracles, but the church in Philadelphia, they have little power. They love the Lord, they love one another, they have little power to, per, to, to shepherd one another. If you want to perform miracles, then you need a big power. But in loving the saints, in bearing the suffering for Christ, to build up the body of Christ, we have little power. Paul, this chapter is just boasting his weakness. I'm so weak. Now, um, these are the ways that how we know Paul explaining this chapter. On one hand, he encourages us to love the Lord, to enjoy Christ being our husband. On the other hand, he encourages us to live a life of suffering. 
he set himself as a pattern. Take away the concept. If I enjoy the Lord, I'm going to have a good life. But Paul, he can eliminate this. But he lived a life of suffering in order to fill up the body of Christ will be built up. <clears throat> well, um, right in your Bible, there are two secrets to discern a genuine apostle. Number one, this apostle, the workers of Christ, they are the one who help us to enjoy the Lord being our husband. That's the first part of chapter 11. And second secret is strengthening us to follow him in his suffering. This is how Paul lists down these 30 items. This is the apostle of Christ. Take away that kind of prosperity concept. You so now I'm the church life. Everything we are for the Lord, for the Lord's recovery. And I go to robot, all the robot turn green. <laughs> no, Paul said, I live this kind of way. And the real apostleship is to strengthen us. Follow this way. Follow the Lord. In the life of suffering. Our life, on one hand, we enjoy him and love him. On the other hand, we follow him in a life of suffering. Fill up the love of Christ for the building up of the body of Christ. <clears throat> and do not think, if I love the Lord, I will be prosper. Okay. Or vice versa. Do not think, okay, if this one has some kind of suffering, they must, they should not, okay, they are not the worker of Christ. Okay. If the worker of Christ, they must be when small. No, sometimes we make our own logic. If he loved the Lord, he should not have any suffering. <clears throat> Maybe he and the Lord did not endorse his work. You know, but Paul, totally opposite. He did not boast his achievement. He did not boast his power, but he boast his weakness. He said, I am the apostle. It's difficult for him to vindicate this one. That's why he's saying, I want to become foolish. And people say, I'm foolish. It's okay. Just let me boast that how I choose this way. Cause you to love Christ and cause you to love the church, to build up the church by following the suffering of Christ. All right. Praise the Lord, saints. This is a wonderful chapter.